Grace, mercy, and peace be to you. Um, Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We've reached the end of um, the Advent uh, of the Advent midweek uh, series, the one where we heard all about what it means to tell people to come and see. And so it is very appropriate to end on the, uh, the commemoration of, of Thomas. Because to say to, to people, come and see, really is not what people might think. We see from Thomas that, well, we see why he gets the bad name, right? Doubting Thomas. You know, a lot of times I think that Thomas is a bit misunderstood. Maybe we should go easy on Thomas a little bit. Because Thomas, uh, he is known as Doubting Thomas. But after this, he's known as, as, he's known as Believing Thomas. He spent the rest of his life proclaiming Christ and him crucified to all who would hear. Uh, tradition says that he made it all the way to India, and there are still Christians to that day who say that they are Christians of Thomas, basically, you know? It's pretty amazing the things that he did in faith by God's grace, but it all kind of started here. Thomas was the guy who also had the, the interesting questions in John's um, gospel where he says, uh, Lord... How can we know the way? And that's where Jesus says the great line, right? I am the way. Uh, Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So because of Thomas, we get a lot of good things to chew on from John's gospel. And one thing we see here is that this takes place after Jesus' death and his his, his being raised from the dead. And what happens before this is that Jesus appears to his, his, his disciples who are locked up because they're afraid of, well, I, I should say, they're not locked up in jail. They're locked up behind a closed door for fear of the Jews. And Thomas, for some reason, is not there. Scripture doesn't say why he's not there. It could be that he was ashamed. Uh, it could be that he, being, being one who was adamant that if Christ should die, so should he, and Christ died, and he didn't. Maybe he was ashamed. Maybe he was angry. Maybe he was out trying to get some kind of revenge. We don't know. Maybe that's not important. The important point is that he wasn't there. So that when the other disciples come to him, they say, we have seen the Lord. It should have been enough for Thomas to say, great, that's wonderful. Thanks be to God. But apparently it wasn't. He says to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of 
the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, on some level, I say that we should be kind of easy on Thomas here because this is a great claim. In Jewish custom and Jewish law, whenever there is the testimony of two or more people, that testimony, or two or more men, I should say, that testimony should be valid. You should take it as what actually happened. Granted, there were at least two or more who said, we have seen the Lord, and he wants to be sure, because to say that you saw so-and-so do something and two people have your say, you know, they saw it happen, that's one thing. To have two or more people to say that there was a man who died and then he rose from the dead on the third day when all reality and science and reason and logic says that he'd be deca- he'd, he would be just in the midst of decay and yet you see him walking around. It defies everything. So Th- Thomas naturally says, I need to see him because he could have assumed maybe they saw a spirit, you know, or a ghost. He wants to know that Jesus has been raised bodily. So fast forward about eight days after this. We don't know what happens between that time and this. But the disciples were inside again, and we don't know why, but the important point is that Thomas was there. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He did not come and say, Peace be be to you, but not you, Thomas. You disbelieved? Shame on you. You can't come into my kingdom now. You doubted. You will always be known as Doubting Thomas. But no, Jesus does not discriminate with who he gives his peace to. He says, peace be with you, all of you. Before I move on from here, it's pretty amazing if you understand the the context of what goes on. We heard before about how Jesus is called their, 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 excuse me, their rabbi, right? That to be a A disciple of a rabbi means that you live the life that he does. You walk in the way that he sets. Your life is changed according to what he says. So Jesus, the rabbi, comes, and in the Hebrew tradition, when your rabbi would say, peace be to you, shalom, he didn't just say it, he held out his hands as if to place it upon you. Peace, peace be with you. Now, Jesus, being glorified, was perfected, except for his hands and his feet and his side. Those marks that show by which our peace is gained. That when he holds out his hands and he places peace upon them, He says, this is where your peace is found, in my hands that were pierced for you, in my body that was given for you, in my blood that was shed for you. Peace be with you. Great subtext, right? Isn't that amazing? But that's not enough, because then he says to Thomas, put your finger here. 
See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And we don't know if Thomas actually touched Jesus. It's been a kind of a debate as to whether he did or not. I like to think he probably did. Why not take him up on that offer? Why not be like that famous uh, painting where you see Jesus is showing his side where the spear had pierced him and Thomas is there lifting up a flap of skin? Sounds a little strange, but if Jesus asks you to do it, why not see? So then with this, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Now, the great thing about about, um, the Greek here is that this is rendered as a question. And um, we have, well, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but punctuation with question marks and things like that in the Greek didn't come along until a little bit later. So the scribes who copied these things down saw it as a question, and they put a question mark in there in Greek. But maybe if you read the King James, you'll see that it's not a question, it's a statement. You have believed because you've seen me. Either way, it's saying the same thing, right? Whether he's stating it or he's asking the question, it is, yes, Thomas believed because he has seen. Blessed are those, though, who have not seen and yet have believed. That for those of us who cannot be like Thomas, not only seeing Christ before his crucifixion, walking on the water, calming the storms, driving out demons and diseases, giving sight to the blind, and all these other great things. We cannot even see him as Thomas did with the ability to actually touch his hands and his side. But that's okay. Because blessed rather are those who have not seen and have yet, and have yet, and yet have, yet have, have, and yet have, have believed. That when we ask people to come and see, we're not asking them to actually come and see Jesus actually standing here in the flesh as with Thomas here. We're not asking them to come and touch and feel as Thomas did. We're asking them to hear, really, the following text where it says, these things are, 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 are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That coming and hearing and believing means seeing. Your sight is now affected when you hear God's word correctly. When you hear God's word of what Christ has done, and you trust in that word and that promise, Blessed are you who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are you who hear the word of Christ and thus have your sight changed by what you hear. To come and see 
means to see with the eyes of faith the hands of Christ as he says, peace be with you. To hear his promises for you. To build you up and strengthen you in the body of Christ so that you would not be like children tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine. You come here so that the truth is spoken to you in love so that it gives you the strength to grow up and grow up every way to our head who is Christ. When you say to other people, come and see, you're not necessarily telling them, come and see how beautiful our church is and the stained glass and and our tree and our candles and things like that. You're not saying, come and see and hear our pastor, he's really great. You probably don't say that at all, Um, and that's okay. But what you should say is, come and see. Rather, come and hear. Come and hear what Christ has done for you. Come and hear, and then see what he does for you through his word. To believe is to see. So so therefore, believing is, is, is seeing. So may we go out from here and tell other people, come and see. Come and see Christ's hands pierced for you. Come and see his side from which the blood and the water poured forth to cleanse you of your sin. Come and see what he has done and the new life that he gives for you and for all who trust in him. Come and see. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord.